Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Presented by AfterBuzz TV and hosted by Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman, this is X-Pac 12360. And now your host, WWE Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360. Feels weird to be back. (laughs) It's been two weeks. Yeah. Ages. (laughs) Seems like ages. Time works differently in here. Feels weird. Yeah. Well, I'm like really, I don't know, calm, mellow. I don't know, like maybe all those things. Just, I don't know, I feel kind of low energy. Let's get, I'll fucking get it going a little bit more here. We need your song, the one that you like that really pumps you up. Oh, but. yeah, Benny Hill. The Benny Hill music. Gets me, always puts a smile on my face. You can always use the Benny Hill music. Yeah. So, yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. What's been going on? Well, I've been miss I've been missing the show to be honest. It felt really weird. And yeah. when I came in here, the first thing I did was tell Jeff, uh, who's behind who behind the scenes, and I was like, "Dude, it's been two weeks." And he was yeah. like, "It's been two weeks." And I was like, "Yes, it's been two weeks." <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty much what's been going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy? Uh, did you enjoy the wa- the watch along? I did. I did. I really, really did. It was so much fun. I had a great time. Thank you for that, by the way. And I've just been, like, posting pictures, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get super annoying on social media if I keep posting the same things over and over. But some people like that. So I was like, okay, I'll get annoying after a while. So I'm going to take a break and pause and not post so many pictures. (laughs) Enjoy it to the fullest. Yeah. Post everything that you wish to post. And if anyone's got a problem with it, you know. Yeah. Welcome. No, but it was, honestly, it was, like, an awesome opportunity, like, just, yeah. yeah. You did great. Everyone thought you did great, and, um, uh, you know, I, I I was, I wasn't really concerned, but I thought maybe some people wouldn't be happy with me over it, and uh, that's the farthest thing from the truth. No one blamed me for anything. Because I was like, oh, you know, I told Paul, I'm like, hey, man, I hope I didn't ruffle any feathers. I, I, if I would have been a dick about it, and like who booked this fucking shit right, or something right, like right. that, like you know, that's one thing. But yeah. I thought, you know, it's pretty. It was a solid. Yeah, it was well reasoned for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely went went viral. I was seeing it everywhere, <laughs> yeah. everywhere, yeah. and I was like, oh man, just like the clip. It, but I think, like from a fan's perspective, though, everyone was just like, okay, well, you know, you're saying the real thing, so you're saying yeah. how you really feel. Yeah. That's ultimately what people want to see on something like that is what they're really thinking. You and, know? and so I was, I was a little concerned for the you know all, everyone producing it you know and like yeah everyone behind the scenes for for the watch along mm. like you know because I don't know how like if they walk on you know walking on glass around I don't know how that works for them like mm. you know I I just I was concerned that, that maybe they would be. You know, scared that like their show got, you know, right. subversive fucking <laughs> shit on it or however you want to put it. But, sure. 
Um, but no, they were happy too. Good. Yeah. At least that's what they, maybe they're just telling me that. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe they're really pissed and, um, and they just didn't say anything because I'm politi- <laughs> politically connected right. around there. I mean, it brought Whatever. eyeballs to it, if yeah. nothing else. That's true. You know? Um, hey, so, do you guys see the stuff about Brett? The, like, there was some show, like, he was doing, like, a live show over in England, mm-hmm. and um, anyway, so somebody tagged me in a tweet saying, like, Brett, you know, was asked to be the leader of the clique. You don't know anything about this? No, I, I haven't heard. Uh-uh. All right. And, and I, like, I, well, I was... T- I was tagged in the tweet, like, you know, and I, I really, I shouldn't even have fucking replied to it. I was like, that's not how it went. I, uh, but it just, like, unloaded, like, you know, because then Kev Nash came, chimed in, oh, and, geez. like, we started having fun with it. And, um, you know, even Kev was like, yeah, and Brett told me the fucking Montreal screw job was a work. And oh, I, I did see in. that. Okay, okay, I did see that. Okay, I, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about now. Okay. And then somebody like somebody says, um, you know, how can this be true? And Kev, Kev says, because you're being trolled. Right. And so it gets back. it gets back to Brett. You know, like all this, like oh, they said the Montreal screw jobs at work, and that you're trolling everybody. That Brett's trolling oh, everybody. Right. So he's like, "Go to hell!" You know, Kevin Nash could go to hell, or I forget. I don't blame him if that was right. what was really said. Right. So, but Brett, that's not what happened. We were the ones doing the trolling, and like so. I mean, if I know it still might be a sensitive subject, but it's twenty fucking five years later. Yeah. You know, it's not too soon to make jokes about it. Sure. And that's all that was. Like, um, uh, but yeah, no. And I love Brett. Brett, I love you very much and think the world of you. And uh, sorry I even replied to that. <laughs> but that's the tweet. Twitter world, though. You yeah. reply to something, it can be misconstrued, or you say something, you say yeah. it the wrong way, yeah. and people believe stuff, and people believe what they want to believe. And yeah. you lose you lose so much tone through through social media and so much context. So and there might have been another, like, maybe there was some secret meeting that I wasn't in on. Uh, but the, my, I just I have a, a memory of the conversation, uh, and maybe like I said, but I would never say Brett was lying or wrong about, or inaccurate because every night on the road, he when he got back to his room, he would talk into a tape recorder and keep an audio journal mm-hmm. of everything. And so there's one thing you can't. Uh, say is that Brett was wrong about, you know, things like that. Right. You know, his interpretation of something might be a different story. Sure. And I don't even know. I mean, maybe some other big, secret, like I said, secret <laughs> fucking click meeting happened. But it wasn't like we were we were just guys that rode in the car together. And we mm-hmm. decided, hey, if we stick together, you know, because really what, there was a click before us. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of. It was like Piper, Adonis, Morocco, um... I'm missing somebody. Maybe I think Orton was in on it or something. Mm. And they kind of, you know, like guys get together. They stick together. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, yeah. And Brett just wasn't, he wasn't down for it. Like he, you know, um, 
you know, uh, I don't remember us like saying we're going to control everything and only like work with each other in right. the top spots. But that was his. That was what he took away from it. He didn't want to be a part of that. I sure. think it's different when you're him. not Fuck. the person within that circle. Sure. That's, I mean, yeah. in life, that's how you feel. If yeah. you're not in with the cool kids, you're like, oh, well, they don't want me. And it's mm. just like, so here's the thing about like being the leader. Like, So we got egos like Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels. Paul wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and big, per- big, strong personalities, alpha personalities, and like... So I can I can assure you that like it would never have been uh, about hey you be the leader because I'm sure those two guys probably fucking figured they were the leader right, right? if there was one <laughs> sure I mean, it, was, it was never a thing we all just kind of we all had an equal vote on whenever we did shit right you know like you know whatever we wanted to listen to in the in the we call it the hose wagon like. So we had just just enough people, especially once Hunter got there. We had just too many people that we would either have to rent two cars or rent like a big fifteen passenger like white fucking cargo van mm-hmm. or you know passenger van. Yeah, and it was you know we called it the hose wagon. It was just what we called it. Sure. It could have been any whatever the fuck we were driving in was the hose wagon. Okay. Sometimes it was a minivan, but more often than not, it was this big, ugly-ass white van we would drive. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyways. But where are you saying that? What do you guys pick? You, what is this, what, were you going to say the music yeah, we or just, something? Yeah, we just, You know, was, wherever, where, where are we going to go eat? Everything. Mm. So everything was up for a vote. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, except for, um, like, when we healed the hotel rooms, um, I would get the rollaway cot, right? I mean, I wasn't. If anyone's getting a roll away got, it was going to be me, obviously. Right, right. Yeah. And um, Mr. Perfect used to joke that you could just put put me in one of the fucking <laughs> one drawers. Of the yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hey, Brett. Um, wish I wouldn't have responded to that tweet. <laughs> Love you very much. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we have a full clarification of that. Clean yeah. All right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to? As soon as I saw that, I'm like, ah, fuck. That's all because of my one fucking reply to a fucking tweet. Oh well. Like, give him something to talk about during the one man show. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. Everyone to, you know, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> all right. Do we want to jump into, Get into it today, or did you want to yeah, add anything tell, else? Tell, we have anything tell else everyone doing? what we're doing. Get All it. right, so today we're going to go go backwards a little bit, and today we're going to talk about Sean's early career in PWA and GWF, which is going to be a lot of fun. So we'll kind of dive into that, and you know, ask you some questions about all of that, and maybe you can you know really mm-hmm. put us into that time perspective and yeah. that moment for those of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, you know, some of the stuff you had for the early, like we'll get well, yeah, get in a little bit of that too. Well, but, so you know, we don't get a. It's just a lot to talk about, and this isn't, you know, an hour show. So. I think 
the reason why one of the main portions that I wanted to discuss prior, because, you know, nowadays for guys that, you know, they want to make a name for themselves in wrestling, it's so easy with social media to get out there. And, you know, the indies and all of that, they work differently. You know, you can really put yourself out there to promote it. Yes. So that was m- one of the things I wanted to discuss with you, but I don't know if you want to talk about it, sure. was kind of how, you know, back in your day, how you sort of got yourself, you know, booked on shows. Because yeah. obviously, you know, social media wasn't a thing. So I was kind of curious yeah. as to how that all worked for guys during yeah, that time. Network, networking was a big thing back then. Because, okay, because um, the territories were almost pretty much completely dead. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a little bit you had Mem- Memphis was still a thing. You know, and then, like, you know, GWF, which we'll talk about, it wasn't really, by the time I got there to Dallas, we were just doing TVs, just making TVs, and there were no spot show, no house shows. There was a couple, there was two house shows for for GWF. Anyways, ask me about that when we get to it. Um, so, yeah, there was... You know, there was, you know, the Observer and the Torch and shit like that. And, um, you know, word of mouth, tape traders, all kinds of different things. And just like, a, I don't know, for me, like I immersed myself in, in this. This was, I mean, I didn't have like, okay, you know, just in case I don't make it in wrestling. I got mm. this. We just didn't have that, right? Um not that it's a bad thing to have that. I just didn't. So I was just, I was obsessed when, with all this. And, I mean, I lived it and I breathed it. And I, I learned everything I could about it. <clears throat> Once I got in wrestling, got my foot in the door and in, in the business, not just setting the ring up, but, you know, being more like an actual part of things, you know, mm-hmm. like making things happen, like making the flyers, the posters, refereeing. Um, and then, you know, get, get, so this lady, Phyllis Lee, she was a huge part of everything. She was just, she knew everybody and, you know, she was the one that I, I, um, I owe so much to. Like, she's the one that talked Malenko into teaching me. I've talked about her before quite a bit, actually. Um, uh, she helped a lot of people, um. Remember the Malenko brothers when I was just starting? Um, see, the great Malenko, he was blackballed. I don't know if you know about like mm. There's some guys with blackballed. Um, and so that kind of, you know, there's residual that kind of trickles down to your kids, right? Right, right. And, but somehow Phyllis Lee got the Malenko brothers booked in all Japan through Lord James Blears. Mm-hmm. Um, Phyllis, um, she was from like the Ohio, Detroit, like that, that, uh, territory, like the Detroit territory, whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, she ended up actually becoming a kind of a, um, a bigger thing in MMA, actually managing fighters and, um, uh, she actually in the early UFC, she's the one that got Dan Severn into, and she managed Dan Severn and got him into the UFC. And uh, well, I'm spending a lot of time on just this part, but I just, I, <laughs> yeah. I just owe her so much. Sure. Anyway, so Phyllis, 
she helped with all this and she kept in contact and networked and knew what was going on everywhere and you know so that was how I ended up getting trained and and the wrestling shows that I was doing I was getting experience in Florida but they were all Malenko shows with his students so um they might be at the VFW hall or um quite often they would sell a show to fucking used car lot and we'd be wrestling the fucking used car lot, you know. Right. I remember one time the guy brought the ring and it was his first time with this ring and anyways the ring didn't work. And so they put the plywood down on the right on the, on the tar. ground. Oh. Yeah. And guys were taking bumps on the fucking Yeah. On the ground. Uh, anyway, so yeah, those shows, but they weren't really like anything close to like a promotion, you know what I mean, like a legitimate promotion. And so, um, anyways, there was this guy. His name was Wellington Wilkins Jr. And I, I um, he was like a UWF style guy. Kind of like he a trained with Carl Gotch, and I trained with him, and we trained together. And he was in wrestling before me, even. Mm. I used to watch him. Like, I used to go watch him do jobs at the Sportatorium, get squashed by right. guys. Um, <clears throat> anyways, <clears throat> boy, I'm all over the place with this fucking story. <laughs> uh, so he goes, ends up moving to um, Minnesota, ends up up there. He was kind of a nomad. He fucking he lived in Japan. He had, he's got twin, twin children. He's got a set of twins. For like children go in Japan, boy, love you, Willie. His name we'll call him Willie, but he thought I think he thought it was his uh, um, duty to to bless the world with his seed all over <laughs> like the place. He has kids here, kids here, <laughs> fucking kids in Japan. <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah. So, anyways, when Willie went to <clears throat> Minnesota, he. Um, he was staying with this guy named Mar. His name is Marvin Rubin. Marvin Joel Rubin. Mm. He was like a like an insider, super fan type guy. Like uh, that, just he knows a ton. Anyways, I went and lived with him, and 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 Willie in a one bedroom apartment. Like yeah, Marvin just you know, Marvin. Yeah, and honestly, to be honest with everyone, like Marvin. Um, I feel like I totally took advantage of Marvin. Like, you know, you just take advantage of people. Yeah. And, sure. then, and if they don't stick up for themselves, you end up just, yeah, I feel really shitty about that, actually. Um, I owe Marvin a lot. So I just want to mention him in this. And he's still, like, on Twitter. I see him all the time. And he came to Chile when I had a match in Chile a few years ago. I, I get off the plane, and there's fucking Marvin. It was great to see him. <laughs> Uh, some people know, like that are listening to this, will know who I'm talking about. Just this neat guy, really neat guy. Um, but yeah, so that's when I got hooked up with Eddie Sharkey, the infamous Eddie Sharkey, the notorious Eddie Sharkey. Uh, and you know, he was the guy. He, he was responsible for the Road Warriors. You know, all these yeah. guys, Jesse Ventura, Bob Backlund. Um. And, you know, he was a colorful character, kind of like actually, you know, the old, the, they're pretty famously known as Robin Tugs now. Yes? Right. You know what that is? No. Massage parlors? No, I don't, I don't know what that is. 
Should I know? <laughs> uh, no, you no? shouldn't. Okay. At then least I don't not, know. not firsthand. Because <laughs> Ty's expression is like gold right now, and I'm like, should I know? <laughs> like, rub and tug. Oh, dear Lord. I was Get just going to Google it when I got home. <laughs> well, probably, Eddie. Probably for the best Eddie you know. Was, Eddie opened the very first one in Minneapolis. Oh, it was shit. called the Donnelly. And it was the Donnelly Spa, it was called. What yeah. a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, you know, you could, he always had a trunk full of fucking shit that you don't know where it came from. <laughs> but it was always good deals on things in that trunk. Sure. So, I remember I had, he gave me a wedding present one time, and it was like a fucking, a blanket, like a throw rug, and had the price tag on it, 800 bucks. I'm like, you, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, not that it wasn't 800 bucks, I'm just sure no one paid for right, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, Eddie, you know, like, that was a promotion, sort of. Like, there was this, it was Eddie and this guy named Ray Webby, who's no longer uh, around, who was, like, he worked with the homeless community, and, like, so, like, he worked at a homeless shelter, and some of the wrestlers would, would do security at the homeless shelter, and we'd have wrestling matches for home, but, like, Wrestle for Shelter was, like, the WrestleMania oh, of wow. PWA every year. Um... Uh, um yeah, and it was just, it was my first time wrestling guys that weren't from Malenko school. So, um, you know, when you're used to wrestling guys from your school, they all feel the same. And right. you've been, you know, wrestling, you, you, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. You get in the ring with somebody that wasn't trained by the same guy that trained you, and it's like, huh, the fucking guy sucks. Right. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He just feels different. He's right. trained different, yeah. differently. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that was weird, and and a lot, and honestly, and Eddie, so there was a lot of great things about Eddie, but his actual training techniques weren't one of them. Like you didn't really learn a lot technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, te- Eddie's guys weren't technically very good. Some of like Jerry Lynn and those guys came from Brad Rangins. Okay, yeah, and yeah. Brad was a he was a much more silver medalist. A Greco Romy would was favor to get the gold in the 1980 Olympics before they were boycotted mm-hmm. uh, for the Greco-Roman heavyweight division. Brad Rangins, um, all kinds of great guys he's trained. Like, all New Japan used to send all their guys to him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Yeah, so anyways, like the, some of the guys came from Brad. And they were a little bit more technically proficient. Right, right, totally. <laughs> Sean, before before you like you were making a name for yourself, yeah. did you have trouble getting booked places based on your size? Oh, yeah, and the and way I looked and how old, like, you're talking about Marco Stunt? Oh, fuck. People laughed at me. Mm. When I first, because, okay, when I first show up and, okay, there was this, it was a bar in northeast Minneapolis area. It was actually suburb of Fridley, but it was called Ropers, and it was our home base, and it was always packed, and the crowd was lively. They were very appreciative. Um, what was that? What was I going with this? Oh, oh yeah. So, but the first time, I, the first time I got in the ring, uh, I wrestled Ricky Rice, and he's really he's built very well. I mean, not huge, but fucking built well. And I was I was totally pale, skinny as fuck. And so everybody laughed. Like, they were all laughing at me as mm-hmm. I come to the ring. And 
so um, it took like probably about a minute, and then they were fucking on their feet because I was German, like German suplex. I, I wrestled them, and then I fucking dove out of the ring. No one ever seen any of that. Kind right? Of shit. Yeah. You know, uh, so it didn't take long. You know, they took to me really quick. It was something different. Everyone mm. else was these big jacked up fucking guys. You know, um, that. And honestly, I'd be honest with you, a lot of them had this sense of entitlement that they were from Minnesota and they were jacked up on the fucking gas and that they were going to get a phone call. Like, they were la- like a lot of the guys were fucking scoffing, laughing at me and fucking the whole time they were waiting for their phone to ring and they're still fucking waiting for that <laughs> shit to ring. Did anybody ever not want to sell for you? Did you ever ha- come across that issue? Yeah. What did you do? Did you ever just say, like... It depends. I, like, I remember in a battle royal on this one dipshit. Like, I'm not going to name names. But he was, like, a little bit of an older cat. And I just fucking lit him the fuck up. Because mm-hmm. he did it to me first. Um, yeah. Uh, the, and there were guys, like... So... Not so much in the P... In, in the Minnesota stuff, but do you know what Derek Duke says? Hmm. Uh, he was one half of this tag team called Top the Top Guns. He's a good dude too, hmm. uh, but like they want him to just drop like do job for me. Like he didn't really know who I was. I mean a little bit, but like he was like, no, no, I'm not doing it. Like what he was really trying to do is get a bit of a payoff. I see, and they, uh, he did, and eventually you know we had a good match and everything was fine. Um. But, yeah, so a little bit, but not, uh, usually not, not, a, not, a, yeah, usually um, not really. Uh, so in, in global, in GWF, Skip Young wouldn't do a job for me. And what did you do? I just didn't work with him. I worked with somebody else. Right, yeah. And he came and he had to talk with me about it. And, you know, it's his hometown and, you know. Whatever. I get it. Before we do I don't want to work with you then. Like, honestly, yeah. like, don't. Like, don't point. work with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like even now, because we have seen more guys where they don't want to work with somebody, and, you know, like, even later on, and I feel that from what I've seen, for the most part, it always ends up working against them, because then that person that does work with that person that somebody didn't want to work with them, it ends yeah. up paying off well for them. Sure. You know, yeah. um, but before we get into GWF, I do want to talk about your match that I came across on YouTube, uh, Lightning Kid versus Jerry Lynn for the yeah. lightweight championship in PWA. I don't know what year that was, though. Do, do like you? Nine, eight, it's like 90. Like 90. OK. Yeah, 89, 90. But 90. one of the things that I noticed right off the bat with this particular match was that it was all from the looks of it. You guys had already been feuding for a long time. This was a bra. This was crazy. Yeah. The crowd was really into it. Uh, you guys had we a lot fucking of moments. around out there. Were Yes. You, okay. So you hit him with a ring bra- with a ring bell. You did a dive onto the crowd. Uh, Jerry Lynn was busted open during yeah. this. Well, um, yeah. Like I, what I before we get into all that, I just want to talk about the the brawl that you guys like start with. Like just like starting that hot. You know. Like yeah. it's. I feel like sometimes it's it's rare to see matches start like that that hot. Just like throwing all those punches. Yeah. Like how like we had a real thing going. We had an angle. Like we had a. And people were into it, and we had local television station mm. that played WCW, and like it was a wrestling block, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, and in between commercials, we would do live seg- segments mm. with Mick Karch, his name was, 
and it was called Saturday Night at Ringside, and that's where we would shoot our angles. And I cut Jerry Lynn's hair on TV one time because <laughs> we were doing a movie. Okay. You know, and so then I sold the hair, and everyone laughed. It was like, oh, no one's going to buy the fucking hair. <laughs> Every fucking bag sold. <laughs> How much did they sell for? It was for? like five bucks, but I mean, at a, t- a piece. But like, you know, we made a couple hundred bucks back then. It was like a big deal, you know. Yeah, it, it, you know, like I'm used to people like to rolling their eyes, and then you know, after the fact, I'm gonna go, "Oh fuck, I was wrong." Right. Well, you guys did so much in this match. I mean, you were seeing yeah. German suplexes, spinning heel kicks, power bomb reversals, so yeah, that's, that's that's why I that's what I was getting at is that we had this to, you know, I mean, other matches we had, we started off sure, nor, you know, conventional, but yeah, but this, we're, we're, yeah, keep going. Well, basically, what I want to talk about is the fact that you guys were doing so much stuff that okay. So, for example, when I'm watching this match. Take away, let's just say the video quality was was you Pretty know bad. what you're seeing, yeah. what you're seeing today. It was if, the time. if the video quality wasn't what it was in watching this match, it basically holds up with what we're seeing in the ring, t- like right now with certain you know with certain guys that wrestle sure. that style. So that's basically what I was th- getting into. Whereas you guys were doing you know all these different moves that people weren't you know used to seeing, and the fans were popping for each and every single one of them. So you know you guys were making the rounds, you and Jerry Lynn. How did working with Jerry Lynn benefit you? I, he was the perfect opponent. Like that, we could. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Like mm. fucking for real, you know. If it wasn't for him, so yeah. I it's I can't I can't. Uh, it's all it's all understated. Like no matter how hard I try to. You know, fucking explain how important he was to everything for me. Like it's, it's. It all seems like an understatement. Mm. And this stuff that you were doing, you know, you weren't really seen in the U.S. during this time. No. So, what were you watching? What were your influences? Considering that obviously it wasn't like where you could just go on YouTube and find something. Oh, you know, you I had tapes. I stuff. was a big time Japanese tape guy. You know, sure. Oh fuck, you know, and you know, we get these tapes and just kind of like you're saying the the video quality of that. One match you're talking about? <laughs> um, am I wearing the red? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was before I cut Jerry's hair because the sec the match the second match I, he broke his ankle in the match mm. and like we went like forever like anyways whatever. Um, it's unimportant. I mean, not that it's broken ankle, right? But yeah, but this was this match. Yeah, he still had the big like yeah, yeah. big mane. Yeah. Um, where was I? So you were, uh, we were talking about uh, your influences and you being tape yeah. training into Japan. Yeah, and so, and, and my training. You know, I was trained how to wrestle and, you know, trained to go wrestle in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, so some of it was just, that's, was trained to do it. You know? Yeah. And then the other stuff, we just, I saw it and I just tried to duplicate what I saw and, and some of it wasn't right. Sure. You know, I was doing some things wrong until I got to work with. Some of the guys like in Mexico, not Mexico, like some of the lo- the great luchadors that mm. I wrestled with in Japan. Well, like yeah, they when, showed me that I was doing certain things wrong. Yeah, like well, when when you did like Top of the Super Juniors in in '93, you know, you've got Eddie as as Black Tiger in that that yeah. tournament, things like that. Yeah, he taught me how to base like how to for like a spinning backbreaker that mm-hmm. people do a lot. Yeah, I was I was I was feeding it wrong. Oh right. So. 
Anyway. Had you already seen the Tiger Mask one uh, Dynamite Kid match at oh, this yeah. point? Like you had oh, already yeah, seen it? Oh, yeah, a long okay. time prior to that. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, we were talking earlier about your size. So was it important for you to bring a different style into your in-ring skill set, you know, given the fact that you maybe had these different challenges that other guys yeah. didn't have? Was that automatically something you wanted to do? Like, be unique inside the ring so that you can stand out and be different? Yes, and... What was really important to me was to bring an extra amount of believability to the shit I did mm-hmm. compared to like all these big, big goofs that like were going out there. I mean, and not that their stuff looked really bad, but my shit looked better. I just, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I wanted you to go, okay, this guy's a skinny dude, like, but like he's a fucking buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I had like, at that when I was younger, like when I was in in those days, like I had a chip on my shoulder. I was in fights a lot, you know. Like, yeah, no, I really like. I I really wanted fuck everyone to know I was a badass. You had the, you wanted to bring the edge out of oh, you. you have yeah. people see it, like even though mm-hmm. you had this very young, you know, yeah. look, yeah. you can mm-hmm. sort of kind of grasp it. Maybe underneath oh, yeah. that, there was a little bit something more. Oh yeah. Were there not many other guys with backgrounds in in martial arts at the time, or there was a, there 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 were a couple here and there, but they didn't know how to fucking apply it into wrestling. Sure. There's been there's been martial artists, you know, and not wrestling for years. Sure. They just didn't fucking. You know, I figured out how to do it right and like incorporate that. How to kind of straddle that line between yeah. the two. Yeah. Yeah. And how to like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, not kill a guy, but. Lay it in. Yeah. Yeah. Find that sweet spot where you're not, you know, where guys will still want to work with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's me and Jerry with the oh. G- GWF title. God, that's awesome. And this guy in the middle, his name's Bruce Kreitzman. He was a referee slash photographer. Mm. And so they brought him to Japan with us. That's awesome. So now, how long did you work with PWA until you started working uh, okay. with GWF? Okay, oh, one more thing about Bruce Kreitzman. He was he's the cousin of Gary Juster. I don't know if you know who Gary Juster is, but he's like an old NWA promoter. And I think he actually does stuff with ROH now, mm-hmm. promotes towns for them. So, yeah. Awesome. So a lot of people that are listening to this or watching will know who Gary Jester is. Look how fucking pale I am right there. <laughs> fucking put me in the beach and a fucking buzzer and start circling. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, and just, oh my God, Jerry Lynn, just the fucking brick shit. <laughs> yeah, Jerry was, you know, Jerry's strong. Mm-hmm. Fucking strong. How old was he around there? Because he was maybe, what, He's mid-20s? not a young guy. He, a little older? No? No, like late 20s. Late 20s, yeah, okay. 27-ish maybe, right by that time. So then, you know, having those matches with you were also beneficial for him, obviously. Yeah. To be able to go with someone like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so then we were talking about how long did it take for uh, how long did it take for you to get to GWF um, after with PWA? How did where, when did that transition happen? Well, I'm trying to remember because there was. First, like, okay, Eddie Gober, I think, might have been booking Memphis. And I think... So there was talk about us going down there. Jerry ended up going. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting, like, kind of married. Like, not married, but, you know, like, 
getting in a relationship and have, you know. Well, actually, she wasn't pregnant yet. But anyways, so. Yeah, I didn't go. It was like a year. It was about a year of doing stuff in, up in the Midwest up there. And then, you know, that stuff with GWF came about. And Wade Keller kind of. Um, Initiated that for you? Well, I mean, he was just kind of in. Um, he talked to everybody, you know, if somebody mm. was doing something like starting something like he was, he was in contact with them. And so, you know, a lot of that, I, I'm not sure hundred percent, but you know, a lot, a lot of my word of mouth would come from, from him. Right. You know, like huge part. That's another component that I have to give credit to. It was my exposure and, and the torch. Because Wade was, you know, he's a Minnesota guy. Right. So, yeah, it was, I, I mean, that was a huge part of everything, you know, because, I mean, there might have some, been some guys in other places just as talented, you know, didn't have that fucking, didn't have Wade Keller coming to his matches every month, right? Right. So, you know. So, obviously, GWF, they had their TV deal with yeah. ESPN. Was that the first time you ever wrestled a TV style? And how different was it for you during that time, you know, doing your local indies and then being on TV? I didn't wrestle any different on TV than I did in my matches. So, you didn't feel like you had to do any sort of shift nope. or anything like that? No, nope. I didn't have any. I didn't have any producers. I didn't have anyone giving me time cues. Um... We just went on and did it, and then they just fucking chopped it up and fucking, you know, put edit it, put it all together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, not like now. Now a TV match is way different. Right. You know, you learn how to do different kinds of matches. Well, one of the things that I also want to say is that your matches, they was all action, yeah. no rest holds. So given, you know, that time, were veterans telling you, hey, man, slow down? Did you get that from them? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and in, in some instances, they were 100% correct mm-hmm. looking back, you know, because you're chasing a reaction with the moves. And, and it's a legitimate reaction, but it's like... You know, when you take your time and you build and, you know, there's different kinds of reactions is what I guess I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before they get emotionally invested in you and you have, you know, emotional equity with them, uh, you know, the only thing is the moves for them to react to, you know, Um, until they really, until they care about you and then like all the in-between stuff and like. You know, when you sell and, you, you know, your facial feet, you know, facial expressions and all that, like, uh, add a lot to it. But mm-hmm. for lack of that, like, you're chasing the fucking reaction from move to move. So, you know, but I did, you know, I didn't use, I never used rest hold. Like, it was always, I was always working it, you know. Like, I, I like the term rest hold. Like, like it's to transition f- from one thing to another. Right. Um, you know, obviously sometimes you do need a breather in there, but like you still got to be working. It's like somebody goes like when, boy, I'm really going off into the weeds on this. But, That's good. Um, you know, when people talk about salad, like, oh, you know, stop me so I can rest. 
fuck that. Like, honestly, I'm working harder in the cell than I am when I'm, like, I can rest more when if I'm the heel and I'm, like, on top. And right. Heat than I am if I'm selling. Because that's all. Like, if you're selling right, that's a lot of fucking it's a work. a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah, getting your ass beat. Is yes. Exhausting. Fuck. Um, what was it like working at the Dallas Sportatorium? Because one of the things I noticed was that there was a nice crowd there. Uh-huh. I don't know how yeah. many, but how was that like? Uh, it was really, um, you know, because I grew up watching. And when I say grew up, it was like only like six years earlier. <laughs> <was> right. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so excited. I was so fucking excited to be, a, you know, even stepping foot in the sportatorium, let alone wrestling it, you know. Mm. And I wasn't too shocked when I saw the condition in which the building was in, you know, um, because the Tampa sportatorium was even worse. So, you know, I was already. What was kinda, wrong with it? It was just old. It was fucking old. Mm. And the ring was like cemented into the ground. Like the posts were cemented in the ground. It was really hard. Like if you go back and watch that ring, I mean, it was fucking really hard. Um, it was extremely hot in there as well. Like really fucking hot. Yeah. Man. Well, yeah. and then. Because it- I mean, when I won, like that was in the middle of the summer, like July. Oh, fuck. When I won, when I won the title. Because I know because, like, I celebrated my birthday, like, the next day or something. And we all went to Hooters. And, <laughs> so yeah. you have that. You're in there. You're working. You have the crowd. It's already hot in general. Yeah. All the work's in there. Yeah. And I, like, so I always, um, I, I believe in emptying the tank no matter how long your match is. Like, always, like, fucking empty it. Mm-hmm. So, like, no matter what, if I was in a five-minute match or a 20-minute match, even in the five minute, I come back, <sighs> right. fucking spent. That's how I believe in doing it. Sure, you know. Um, so yeah. What about the lightning bolt at the side of your head? Oh, fuck. where did that idea come from? <laughs> Not me. Really? It was fucking Burt Prentice. You know who fucking Burt Prentice is? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was Burt Prentice. <laughs> fuck. So you didn't like it? No, but you know, you do things like I mean, he was sort of like. He sort of had a say so in things, mm. um, which not for long because like he did some fucked up shit. Mm. That I'm not gonna get into, but uh, he was gone. He made some inappropriate comments to somebody. Yeah, yeah. So no fan of the lightning bolt. No. <laughs> I actually thought I was like, oh, he he, he thought of something different, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Bert. He used to also go as. Christopher Love. You never heard of him? I don't know that much about him. Oh, okay. He's actually like good, like kind of talented guy and quite the hustler. Like, and there's a lot of stories about that guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, enough about that. Enough about the lightning bolts in the side of the head. All right, so it, also in GWF, you worked again with Jerry Lynn. Now, obviously, yeah. you guys are working. You know, you've worked together already in the past. You know him. You guys know each other. But now you're wrestling on a bigger scale, a bigger platform. So what was the differences between that and, you know, already going into that, knowing each other so well? Um, It was just... I, I don't know. Like, it wasn't like 
okay, I was in this territory and we were there every day. It was like, I went there like three times ever. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it might not seem like that because, you know, we taped fucking five days worth of TV in one day. So it might seem like, okay, yeah, he was there forever. Like, no, I was there like two or three times, like mm-hmm. three times total. Right. Like, they flew me in three times. So, but, um, you know, and I had two matches with Jerry there. The first one, I beat him for at the, in the finals of the tournament. And the second one is when I lost the title to him. And it was in a two out of three falls. December 91. Yeah. Like this ridiculous fucking stipulation that we had to beat each other. We could only use our finish. Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh, it was, yeah, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> I was wondering why. What led I don't to that know. prior? It's it's fucking people that have never been in matches before, fucking coming up with stipulations. Right. Like how fucking stupid. Like how are you supposed to have near falls right. when you can only use like he can only use the sleeper and I can only use a tombstone pile driver. What the fuck? Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, well, what yeah, we led to managed. that? We still managed. I mean, we had two, I mean, it was like an hour match. Oh, wow. They chopped a lot of that up. Mm. I did an acai moonsault, like, incre- incre- they had these fucking, tell me, how stupid is this? They, the barricades around the ring were made of wood. They were like wooden banisters, like, you know, like if you were going up the stairs at your yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, stay away from the banisters. <laughs> so I just, just completely fucking destroyed them. I went on to circle back that? to <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> you mentioned the the tournament, twenty four man tournament, but some of those names that were in there: Buff Bagwell, who was known in ha- as Handsome Stranger, Handsome Stranger. Uh, Rip Roger, yeah. Rip Rogers, yes. Chaz, a uh, Chaz Headbanger. Uh, no, that's not. That's, did, his did name is that Chaz right? Taylor. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so basically, what I wanted to know with that was, you know, you. How did it feel knowing that you know you were wrestling with these guys that would end up becoming stars? Like kind of like looking back at that yeah. now. Yeah, and Scott Raven, you know, is Scotty mm-hmm. Scotty Flamingo, right? And so I knew Scotty before I was even a wrestler. Um, uh, so it was cool to see him there. Um, Everyone was really cool to me, especially like um, I don't know. Was, where, where were we? Where, what was your question? So basically, how did it feel? I'm like, like kind of like going right now. Going back, getting in my own head. Going back and seeing yeah. some of the names that were on there, yeah. knowing that they eventually became stars. Like, how did that feel? Like knowing that you guys were, you know, back then you were yeah. doing your thing, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. The evolution of all of that. Yeah, no, I mean it was cool. Obviously, um, the obvious ones are Bagwell and um, uh, you know Raven and uh, who else? Because um, Chaz never really did. A whole lot, right? Um, you know, Jerry obviously went on and did ROH and ECW. Jerry Lynn, um, and then other guys. See, other guys they weren't there at the same time as me. JBL, um, who came to Brad Rangan School, and I actually went and used to train with him when he was learning to wrestle. Uh, like JBL came in to Global after I was already gone. Booker T and, and Stevie Ray, you know, certain other guys. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but it was a great place, you know. I mean, it gave us all this huge stage. Like, so every day, 
After school, kids could come home and turn on fucking GWF and watch me wrestle. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So after your series of matches with Jerry Lynn, were you, how do you I like working, sorry, I like working with Chaz too. I had good chemistry with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I was, I was kind of going back to my notes, but. After these series of matches that you had with Jerry Lynn, were you already being noticed by WWF or WCW? Uh, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, uh, I, in my mind, I didn't picture myself in WWE. Why was that? They didn't have junior heavyweights there. Like right. Heavyweights. Um, more so, like, you know, WCW and then... <laughs> So, should we talk about that? My WCW sure. trial, real quick. Well, yeah, because I was that was actually gonna be my next question. Sure. Was the fact that they started their own light heavyweight division um, with Brian Pillman as one of the, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 main star and and Jushin Thunder Liger? So I wanted to know if that was kind of basically if you were ever considered for that. So I guess you can kind of dive into that then. Well, <clears throat> so Turner hires this guy. Um, his name was Kip Fry to run WCW. And I was, Kip Fry brought me in. And I was, it was like, I was all but, like, I was pretty sure, like, okay. I went down there. Um, they asked, they actually gave me a choice of my fucking, you know, opponent. Mm-hmm. I picked Bob Cook, who was, like, came up, he was a Malenko guy, one of the best, like, of people like most people never heard of, he's one of the best fucking guys you'll you go and watch some of his matches. Mm. He's got one of the best punches of all time. Um, yeah, there's Kip Fry, no, he's a real nice guy. <clears throat> um, so I go, I have my match. They tell me, yeah, do all your shit. Like just get all your shit in. So I didn't really try to put as, you know, I didn't. My match was just get my shit in. Right. Uh, like, if you go back, there was no, there was not a lot of psychology to it. It got a great reaction from the people at center stage. Bob gave me a great match. Caught me fucking perfectly. Like, uh, I think I might have did two different dives on it. I think I did every fucking thing I could do. Right. Almost everything. Um, and so I was like, I was uh I had my hopes up. I was like, okay, Kip Fry, he's, he's the boss. And it was his idea to bring me in. Like two days later, fucking Kip, Kip got fired. Yeah. And Bill Watts. They brought Bill Watts in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't Bill Watts' idea. And he probably, and I talked to him on the phone. He called me, him and Oli. Because um, they saw my training, you know, and, you know, Bill likes guys with, you know, legitimate... You know, right training and legitimate background. Not that I had a legitimate sports background, but I was trained properly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, they. He just. I'm sure he looked at my fucking tape and what I did in that tryout match is not something like he fucking banned the top rope. Remember? I don't know if you remember that. I had heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Like when he came in, he banned guys from coming off the top. You would have thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> The fans, everything. <laughs> like, holy shit. Looking back at it, like, not that big a deal. Like, mm-hmm. 
Guys would have to do it behind the ref's back, shit like that. Sure. But so anyways, at that particular moment, I just wasn't like, you know, wasn't wasn't Bill's cup of tea, probably. Mm. I'm making assumptions here based on him watching that tryout. Match. Right. Um, now, later on, when Bill came in to WWF, um, he loved me there. Because uh, when they hired him, we had, a, we had a house show at Madison Square Garden. He came to the show, didn't tell anyone he was coming. He went and sat in the crowd, and he watched all the matches. And I was, I don't know if I was in the opening match, but like one of the opening matches, mm. and it was myself and, and Hunter. And it was Hunter's very first match ever in the Garden. And we'd had a few uh, prior to that. And anyways, fucking... Watts really liked me, and he figured me into shit. Like after that, like anyway, yeah, he like he was a fan of what he saw there. Probably not when he saw my tryout. Match. Right, right, right. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Took me a while to get to the point, but I managed. All right. So basically, you know, obviously during this time. Oh wait, actually going back to that. Do you know if uh, if uh, WCW was inspired by GWF to start the? Light heavyweight no. division? No no, no. no. Okay. I was just wondering since it was like somewhat no. close at that time. So, um, but like the GWF kind of like, so when I dropped the title to Jerry, it was because they couldn't afford to bring me in anymore. And they had signed me to a contract, and the contract had a guarantee of $300 a week. Mm. And that was also what my payoff was when they would fly me in, they would pay me $300. Mm-hmm. So even if I didn't go in for the week, I would get my three hundred dollars. How was that? Like, was that a lot or a little bit of money during that? It was time? better than nothing. I mean, I could, you know, it helped me pay some bills a little bit, mm. and uh, um, yeah. Fucking, what else was I going to say about that? Um, so, but that was the reason why I, and and also, uh. Bill Eady, do you know who Bill Eady was? Demolition, Demolition Axe. Yeah. He was also the mass superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the booker f- from the get go. And then somehow Eddie Gilbert managed to get in there and, and get that spot. And then Bill was gone. Um, and Eddie was, it was cool. It was really neat to be around Eddie. I wasn't around him a lot, but, you know, a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was that was cool because you know Eddie Gilbert he was he was great, right? He was really creative, you know, a reputation for being extremely creative, and he was great in the ring. Um, um, yeah. So, but they couldn't afford me right. anymore. Yeah, and so that's when I got hooked up with um, Universal in Japan, and actually. See, they couldn't afford me, but I hadn't dropped the title yet because my first tour in Japan, I had the belt. Mm-hmm. And then when we went again, Jerry and I would team in Japan. We would team. Jerry came, finally. Jerry came back. I'm conflating a bunch of shit here, but <laughs> anyways, bef- after my WCW tryout, uh, and then they didn't hire me. It was kind of a little bit, you know, the the wind was out of my sails a little bit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so, 
you know, I was just trying to plug away. I was going and getting, you know, um, uh, booked out on the East Coast, like with promoter Dennis Carluzzo and like the John Arezzi convention, um, the Weekend of Champions, it was called. And we had John on, you remember? Yep, yep. So um, that was just getting my name, you know, getting my name out there and letting people see, oh, uh, Lightning Kid is on the East Coast. He's over here in fucking, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota and, you know, and then Japan. and um, So, yeah, it's cool. Um, and then, <clears throat> weirdly, so I, you know about the NWA show that I, I promoted with Dennis Carluzzo in, in Minnesota mm-hmm. where I wrestled Sabu? Did that not come up on your Google search? No, but you can tell me more about that. Yeah. So when I got hooked up with Dennis Carluzzo, he was NWA promoter. And NWA isn't like it is now. Right. Um, it was just guys that were just trying to keep it alive. And and just to, to be honest with you, it was kind of sad, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I give them credit. Like, just they loved it so much they wanted to keep it alive. Uh, so we had this show, and I thought it was kind of cool to be able to use NWA name, and so we promoted the show, called it NWA Grand Slam. And, um, had Hawk, wrestled Hot Road Warrior Hawk, wrestled Terry Funk in the main event, uh, Masa Saito, and this guy Charlie Norris, who worked in WCW, mm-hmm. uh, versus Nails. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nails and the Oriental and jump shoes and everything. everything. <laughs> and a guy named the Hater who came from Brad Rangan's camp, and he was actually the best man at my wedding. His name's Jamie Mangan. Huh. Um, funny enough, the uh, the name the Hater that was Hawk's nickname in high school. Really? Yeah. Weirdly enough. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so there's that. There's myself and Sabu, Jerry Lynn versus Chris Candido, Taz versus. Yeah, Taz versus um, Brad Rangans. Mm-hmm. Fucking um, Lethal Larry Cameron versus Tommy Ferrara. Um, fuck else am I missing here? Anyways, it was quite the loaded independent show. Sure. At the time, there were like very few shows that stacked independent ones. So, and I worked really hard on that. I was the guy, the main. I was like the person that did all the work on that, mm. um, and yeah, I don't know where all the money went because <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people there, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was pretty proud of that. But um, before that, so when when boy, I'm all over the fucking place. But all this is yeah relevant. Um, when Hawk quit WWE, um, and do you know about his tag team, the Hellraisers, Mm-mm. with Kensuke Sasaki? Do you remember who Kensuke yeah. Sasaki is? Yeah, yeah. Well, they were called the Hellraisers in New Japan, and mm-hmm. they were over huge, fucking big. They came out to, you know, Ozzy's song, Hellraiser. Sure. Um, and so they debuted the Hellraisers tag team in that little fucking bar I was telling you about 
in Fridley, Minnesota, where we had our show. Uh, Ropers? Really. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this little, little fucking shitty 14 by 14 <laughs> ring. And it was like, I mean, it was. So, but like Saeed, Masa Saido was coming into town for it. And Brad Rangins was showing. And so, like, they were going to have matches. And so I was matchmaker and I booked Jerry and I. Jerry Lynn and I were the PWA tag team champions by this point. Okay. Um, yeah, he was done with GWF by this point as well. And we had these shitty belts made <laughs> from weightlifting belts with like, sure. you know, from a trophy shop. Like nowadays, you know, you can get a decent belt made. Yeah. Right? Back then it was brutal. So um I booked us versus Brad Rangins and Masa Saito. And we had a really good match and fucking Masa took my I guess started firing up on Masa. Lighten him up, and then I was like, reverse it, clothesline, and fuck, man. Just took your head off with it. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I asked for it. (laughs) Anyway, so Masa brought me to New Japan Super Junior Tournament. Oh, nice. And then as I'm getting ready to go for for that, I get called to go have my WWF tryout. And so all that happened at once. Oh, wow. After I was kind of, you know, you kind of think... It's, it's a lesson in that you got to stay the course. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go, oh, WCW, that was my only shot. Like that, you know, like, and like some people could get, you know, um, they could let that fucking get to them. Maybe right. some people might even say fuck it and throw in the towel. Um, but you can't do it because, like, as soon as you think you've hit a fucking the end of the road, like all of a sudden, boom, there's your fucking opportunity. Right. You know, I mean, in life, not just. I'm wrestling. I mean, just haven't you ever been there where just everything sucks and it's yeah. like you just think you can't, like, and then boom, something great happens. So yeah. that's me every other month. Right? <laughs> lot, oh, this yeah. month is horrible. Oh, you something good happened. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So I had a lot of decisions to make. Like, you know, go to W or go to New Japan and, like, maybe go train at the dojo mm-hmm. or go to WWF. Sure. So. And obviously I we can get right into stuff. At, obviously we can get into your your work in Japan and Mexico in separate yeah. episodes where we yeah. can actually dive in in depth and talk yeah. about all yeah, this for stuff sure. for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point to. Yeah. To, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that's pretty much that. Wow. Nice. Right on time too. Awesome. We got a minute and thirty two seconds. That's up. great stuff. Yeah. So all right. Well. All right, do guys, do not forget to subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash xpoc. Make sure to check us out on social media, xpoc12360 show for exclusive clips and all of the random stuff that we post on there. For myself, do not forget to check me out on youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Uh, I have tons of interviews and cool stuff up there, and I'll be working on some more videos. And then uh, Instagram and Twitter at underscore Denise Salcedo. There you go. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ty Matthews PMA. All right, at the real xpoc, at real xpoc on Instagram. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Sean Waltman, and the entire X Pac 12360 staff, thank you for tuning in to X Pac 12360.